Buenos dias. Mucho gusto. I'm just kidding. Hablo muy poco español. <laughs> I'm going to teach all that every week, okay? Just kidding. I ain't going to be here next week. I'm going to teach you today, though. I'm going to teach you something that you don't know, a language that none of you probably in here know, except maybe my wife. And it's called South Georgia Southern Talk. Ready? So whereas I said, Buenos dias, ready? This is how you say it in South Georgia. Hey, y'all. <laughs> that good enough? Y'all got to do it better, though. Look, y'all got to talk back to me now. I'm one of those preachers you got to talk back to. Hey, y'all. Hey, there you go. Woo. Y'all are honorary southern people now, all right? Actually, when I went to Kentucky, I had to learn their language. They had a little different language than we had, so, um, but it's all good. Glad to hear, be here this morning. Um, we are excited to be here, and um, so kind of uh, introduce what's been going on. First of all, don't be scared of me, okay? Just relax. I'm going to holler and spit a little bit, but hey, there's nobody in the splash zone here, so y'all are okay, okay? But I do want to tell you this. This is how we come to Chicago on this mission trip. First of all, every one of us here, if you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, I hope you come to do that before this is over today. Because we're here today because we love our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right? And we're here together as a team. And that's the way we look at it. You know, we're not, we're not a church in Kentucky and you're a church here in Chicago. We are all God's children. And we are all under the same umbrella, and that's what we need to do. So um, one day, uh, the Southern Baptists had this idea, or, or we didn't, I didn't know about it. I finally figured it out that, hey, we could go on these sin cities and um, check it out. So Kentucky's teamed up with five different cities, um, I think, if I can get them right. Uh, Chicago's one, New York's one, uh, Cincinnati's one, and Salt Lake City. Actually, there's four. Um, and so what we decided to do was Chicago was not on the radar for a lot of our people. When you say Chicago and Kentucky, people start getting a little nervous. You know, it's like, oh, no, I don't want to go to Chicago. You know, let's go to Salt Lake City. That seems a little bit more our speed. But you know what? It sounded like it would be too easy. It sounded like we needed to go where God was sending us. And I just felt like God kept pulling us to Chicago. So we got with uh, uh, somebody that works for the KBC, Kentucky Baptist Convention, and uh, his name was Doug Williams, and we took a trip with him. Uh, about five of us took a trip that day, and John Yee was here, and uh, he's the one that showed us around Chicago. He showed us all around Chicago. I mean, I think we went northeast, southwest, uh, from one end of the world to the other end of the world, but anyway, we saw all of Chicago. We saw a lot of pastors, okay? And, but, but what caught our heart or what caught my heart that day was Elmwood Community Church. Elmwood Park Community Church. All right. But it caught our heart, uh, my heart, because there was just something that uh, y'all needed. First of all, y'all needed flooring. We have people in our church, uh, two brothers in our church that own a flooring company. And uh, we have a lot of people in our church that work for a flooring company. So it was kind of like it was a perfect match. But everything come together and um, we quickly got here. I think we did that trip in, John, was it in like April or May or something like that? It was April. And we're already here in August, you know, because 
that's, uh, that's the passion that we have because we want to help other people. We want to help other churches. We want to do what God has called us to do. Kind of give you a little back background on that, okay? So um, I'm going to introduce our team right now. So uh, if I call your name, you stand up. Um, first of all, I'm going to introduce my wife. This is Michelle. Stand up. All right. Then we have Lynn Yale. Then we have Drake. Jerrica. And this is my daughter, Cortland. <laughs> then we got Paul. We got Grumpy. I mean, Mike. We got Scott. We got Craig. We got Chris. We got Seth. And last but not least, we got Willie. <laughs> so, so we've heard people say thank you for coming. All glory, like you said, all glory to God. We won't want any glory. Thank you for appreciating us. Well, all glory is going to go to God for everything that we've done here. We appreciate y'all for allowing us to come and, and serve here. So thank y'all so much for that. We're uh, excited to be here. Um, go ahead and let's get into the Word of God. Um, Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and we'll start with verse 8. Now, uh, one of the things that um, when I was preparing this, when... When Sean had asked me to preach, I was wondering, man, what God do you want me to preach? So I kept praying about that, and then I'd prepare a sermon, and it wasn't that one. I had to throw it to the side. Anybody that's preached in here knows what I'm talking about. And then I prepared another sermon, and I threw that one to the side. It just wasn't it. So I got to this sermon here and prepared this one, and um, don't know why God wanted me to preach this, but God knows. So somebody in here needs to hear this this morning, so I hope it, it helps you and it touches your heart and encourages you this morning. So if you will, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Um, what we do in our church, I don't know if you do it here, it's just a tradition that we do. I think it's, um, uh, if you'll do it for me today, we're going to stand for the reading of God's Word. Can you do that? Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 8. It says, There is one alone without companion. He has neither son nor brother, yet there is no end to all his labors, nor is his eyes satisfied with riches, but he never asks, For whom do I toll and deprive myself of good? This also is vanity and a grave misfortune. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. May God bless the reading of his word and let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for this opportunity this morning, Lord. Lord, there was... Many times that over the last two years I've been in a pulpit in Kentucky, Lord, but today you have us in Chicago. And how exciting this is, Lord, to, to just meet a great group of people, people who love their Savior, Jesus Christ, people that come in here to worship you with all their hearts, people of different nationalities. It doesn't matter. And, and if that's the, the way every church in the world should look at it, we don't look at each other by the color of our skin. 
We don't look at each other by the language that we speak, but we look at each other in two categories, whether you're lost or whether you're saved. And Lord, if we're saved, praise God, we got some brothers and sisters in Christ. But if they don't know you, Lord, and are not saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, Lord, it's our job to go and tell people about him. It's our job and our mission to make sure people do know the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for this time. Speak in and through me the words that need to be heard this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So when I thought about this, uh, what God had laid on my heart is talking about, I know it's going to sound weird. You might think I'm going to come up here and talk about missions or something like this. But again, this is not what God wanted me to talk about. God wanted me to talk about loneliness today. I know it's, I know it's an odd uh, to have a guest speaker come in here and speak about loneliness. But, but I think there's somebody, and uh, maybe many people, that deal with loneliness sometimes. And I think that loneliness is something that um, is kind of dismissed as our society. That, that people get lonely. It happens. Even though you're surrounded by a group of people, you're still lonely. Robin Williams said something like this. I can't remember his exact quote, but he said, uh, The worst thing in the world is not being alone. The worst thing in the world is being around people and feeling alone. Right? And that was right before he went and committed suicide. So we know that loneliness is something that, that people have. As a matter of fact, administrators of one of the largest hospitals in America cite loneliness as a major reason for overcrowded emergency rooms. Parkland Hospital of Dallas, Texas made this startling discovery as they were looking for ways to unclog the system. They analyzed data and compiled a list of high utilizers. They identified 80 patients who went to four emergency rooms 5,139 times in a 12-month period, costing the system more than $14 million. Once they identified the names of these repeat visitors, they commissioned teams to meet with them and determine the reason. Their conclusion, y'all say it with me, loneliness. Loneliness, wow. Poverty and food shortage were contributing factors, but the number one determinant was a sense of isolation. The ER provided attention, kindness, and care, hence the multiple return visits. They wanted to know that someone cares. Do you know that you can get lonely as an individual? You know, my dad died in February. My dad was 87 years old. My dad caught what was COVID pneumonia. And he was in a hospital, and he was in a hospital for uh, a few weeks at a time without anybody there, you know. And, and I believe that a lot of people die in hospitals today because of loneliness, because somebody can't go in there and visit them. You know, my wife was in the hospital for uh, two weeks with COVID pneumonia, and uh, she was very lonely. We couldn't go see her or nothing like that, and it was a very depressing time in her life. But you can get lonely. I want you to know that it's okay to be lonely. Admit that sometimes I'm lonely. But do you realize this? That you know that your pastor can get lonely? I know that he's surrounded by a lot of people. And I know that there's people all around him all the time. But you know what? Him and Lydia, Sean and Lydia get, get lonely sometimes. It's just, um, I don't even have to ask them. I didn't ask them this before I preached this. But I guarantee you because I know I'm a pastor... I know it happens in our lives sometimes. As a matter of fact, let me give you some of these startling statistics when it comes to pastors. A book called Pastors at a Greater Risk was published in 2003, 
and it was revised uh, from pastors at risk from 1993. But it documented, this is from, again, 2003. Now listen to this. 50% of all congregations in the United States are either plateauing or declining. 90% of pastors more, work more than 46 hours a week. 80% believe that ministry affects their families negatively. Okay? 75% that had a significant stress-related crisis at least once in their ministry. 50% feel unable to meet the needs of their jobs. 40% report a serious conflict with a member at least once a month. And these are just to name a few. And that was back in uh, 2003. 18 years later, you can imagine. Now, I know you probably think that Sean emailed me or called me and said, hey, you need to preach on this today. I need some help. <laughs> no, he didn't tell me that. He's probably embarrassed that I'm preaching this because, you know, that's what a humble pastor would do. And I know he's a humble man. And the thing about it is, is when we get lonely, we all need somebody. And what happens is, is that a pastor is going to have those times to where he's going to get up here and preach. Let me tell you what the devil does. He'll get up here and preach a sermon, and all of a sudden he'll get down and he'll wonder, man, did that reach anybody today? Was I talking to anybody today? Sometimes he'll do something and make a decision, and he says, man, was anybody behind me on that? And so there's lonely times that happen in a pastor's life. But I don't only want to talk about Sean and Lydia today. I want to talk about all of us today. I want to talk about every one of you in here needs somebody. Everybody in here needs somebody. Y'all know that song, Lean On Me? Y'all like to sing, right? Sing it with me. Lean on me when you're not strong. I'll be your help. I'll help you carry on. For it won't be long till I'm going to need somebody to lean on. Look, y'all didn't even run, and I sung in church, and y'all didn't even run out the building. And y'all sung a non-Christian song. <gasps> it's okay. <laughs> Here's the thing about it, though. Somebody to lean on. I want to I tell you real quick how I got to Kentucky. I grew up uh, about 30 miles outside of Savannah, Georgia. I have been there all my life. And all of a sudden, I had been working at the Salvation Army. I was a, a bivocational pastor. I was the pastor of a church. But I was also double duty and on a job. So here I'll go, working for the Salvation Army. I was director of a substance abuse program. Never was involved in drugs or alcohol. Well, dabbled in alcohol, but never addicted to it. But God placed me in that place of this substance abuse program. And I was happy. I was happy doing what I was doing. And I thought I was going to just continue on what I was going to do. One day, one night, let's say. Me, my wife, my two sons, and my daughter, it says at 1 o'clock in the morning, our fire alarm goes off. And all of a sudden, my wife runs back in the room and she says, hey, there's a fire in the kitchen. So I wake up and holler and everybody comes to the middle and I, I say, hey, guys, let's grab some buckets and let's go throw some water on that fire. Go in the kitchen and look and the whole kitchen's on fire. I said, never mind, let's get out of here. That's how bad it was. Fire was all around the top. Fire was all up underneath us. It was just like the Lord woke us up just in time to get us out of that house. And by the time the fire department got in there, the first fireman stepped on the floor and fell through. 
That's how bad it was. And let me tell you something. It seemed like it was going to be a rough time for us that we were going to be alone during that time. That we done lost everything. Everything that we had burned up in that fire. And my little daughter who was back there now, let me tell you something. She said this. She, me and my, I, listen, I'm a clown. I, if I wasn't a pastor, I'd need to be in a circus. I'd need a big old red nose and doing some juggling. I'm, I'm a clown. I'm just going to tell you that. So we're laughing and we're joking, you know, just well, what can we do? I mean, there ain't nothing we can do. We're just like watching the house burn down, you know. So me and my, well, my wife wasn't quite joking. She was looking at my, me and my two older boys and she's like, what are y'all doing? But my daughter was like, man, just distraught. And, and I told her that day, I said, Corlin, I said, don't worry about it. I said, we're going to get all this replaced. It doesn't matter. It's just physical stuff. It's going to be okay. She says, I'm not worried about all the stuff I lost. She said, I'm worried about my monkey. Her monkey's name was Philly, right? It was a, a, I went to Philadelphia on a disaster relief, and I bought her a little monkey that said Philadelphia on it, and we called him Philly. And um, she had that, that thing since she was probably two years old. I don't know how old she was, but she was missing that, thought it burned up. So the next morning, my boys go over there and look in the window, and there amongst the fire that had burnt down everything, there was a bed that hadn't been burned down. And there was Philly sitting up on the bed. Boy, we brought Philly. My mama washed him up. She was next door. She washed him up in the washing machine. And, and when she woke up from being so tired, we showed her Philly and her eyes just lit up. And I told her, though, I told her, I said, everything's going to be all right. Because I thought she was worried about everything we lost. But let me tell you something. The next day when we woke up, that well, we didn't go to sleep. I mean, this is 1 o'clock in the morning, and, and all of a sudden, that next day, people started hearing about it. People that I'd done prison ministry with, my whole team of people that I'd done prison ministry with, all the people from my church, all the people from my home church, all the people from my current church, and people were just flooding in, flooding in, driving in and out all day long, giving us stuff, handing us stuff. You know, it's one thing to give something, that's pretty easy, but to receive something, that's sometimes humbling. And we had to receive stuff all day long. And we got everything that we possibly could want it for as uh, money, gift cards to go to stores and buy stuff and clothes and renew everything that we had. It was amazing, but we didn't have a house. So we were sitting there wondering and drawing up plans and saying, hey, what kind of house are we going to build? What are we going to do? You know? And then it just hit me. I knew that God had just laid it on my heart. Well, maybe God don't want us there anymore. Uh, maybe God doesn't want us in Savannah anymore. So I started putting in resumes all over. And all of a sudden, there was this church in Missouri. They were hot on my tail. And they said, hey, you know, we wanna, want you to be our pastor, blah, blah, blah. And we went through the interviewing process. They loved us. They wanted us. But, but they, still hadn't, uh, they still had a few more weeks before they got everything done. And then there's this church in Kentucky. And all of a sudden, I thought it was this little old man. I mean, about 80 years old is what he sounded like. And he said this on the phone. And I, it was a message. He said, Pastor Dwayne, this is Mitchell Major from Lancaster, Kentucky. And uh, we saw your resume and we liked it and we'd like you to come here. Uh, and we'd like to speak to you about becoming our pastor. So I got that message, and I went there and told Michelle, I said, you ain't going to believe this. 
there's some little old town in Kentucky, some little old church that wants us to preach there. I said, I ain't, I ain't even going to bother with that because I, the reason why, not because it was little, not because it just sounded like it was a hick town. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding with that. But I did go in there and I told her, I said, I told her about it. She says, well, don't close the door on God. And it hit me. I said, you're right. I went back in there and I got the phone and, and uh, come to find out this man wasn't 80 years old. He's about 60, I guess, 58. It's somewhere up in there. And he ain't no little old man. He's a pretty husky guy. But, and they had it going on. You know, they had it going on. One thing that caught my heart was missions. They love to do missions. And that's why I'm here today. But my whole point to telling you that story was is that when I felt like I was alone, nobody ever left me. You see, that's what it means to be involved in a church. If you're here today and you're involved in this church of Elmwood Community Park Church, <laughs> I think I'm right, then guess what? You're loved. If you have a pastor and a pastor's wife, you are loved. And you know what? There's a lot of people on these streets out there that don't want have anybody when something like that happens in their life you are never alone if you have a church family you are never alone when we have a church family we need each other amen, amen. well there was a rather crude and cruel experiment that was carried out by emperor frederick who ruled the roman empire in the 13th century he wanted to know what man's original language was was it Hebrew? Was it Greek or Latin? So he decided to isolate a few infants from the sound of human voice. He reasoned that they would eventually speak the natural tongue of man. Nurses who were sworn to absolute silence were obtained. And though it was difficult for them, they abided by the rule. The infants never heard a word, not a sound from a human voice. Within several months, they all died. You know why? Because... God created us for companionship. God created us to be together. God created us not to be hermits. God created us to be people who love on each other, who care for each other. You know, all throughout the Bible we'll see that. When the Israelites were fighting the Amalekites, y'all remember that in the Bible? And old Moses was standing up on the, on the mountain, and all of a sudden when he hold, held up his rod, everything was going good. The Israelites were defeating the Amalekites. But as soon as he got tired, what did he do? He dropped his hand. And what happened then? The Amalekites started beating the Israelites. So here's uh, Aaron, and here's her. They're looking at him and saying, oh, no, this is what's happening. And so they go over there, and what do they do? One of them grabs one side, and one grabs the other side, and they hold his hand up. Thank God for people that will hold our hands up. Israel prevailed that day. Exodus 17, 12 says, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Whenever you look at people in the Bible, these strong men of the Bible that the Bible speaks of in the Old Testament, they had people that was there with them. You remember David? David had Jonathan in his early life. Uh, 1 Samuel 18, 1 says, Now when they had finished speaking to Saul, 
The soul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. So after Saul turned against David and even tried to kill him a few times, Jonathan remained faithful. Why? Why were they knit to the soul? What was it that was so special about their relationship? Here's what was special about David and Jonathan's relationship. And don't you miss this point. They both love God. And they both serve God. And let me tell you something, there's nobody in the world greater than somebody who is knit at the heart. Somebody that when I come up and I speak to you and I know something's uh, connecting with us, it's because our hearts. It's because you love Jesus, I love Jesus. There's a special connection that we are children of God, that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And there's nothing greater in all the world than to have family like that. You are not alone. Um, what about Paul? You know, Paul referred to Timothy as a true son of the faith. In 1 Timothy 1-2, he says, Timothy, a true son. A true son. One time Paul called him a man of God. Imagine Paul, the apostle, the great apostle, the spiritual giant, telling him that, hey, you are a man of God. Right? So four characteristics that Paul displayed toward Timothy that I want you to display toward one another, that I want you to display toward your pastor and pastor's wife and everybody around in this community. Hey, do y'all believe that there's a community out there that needs to be reached for Jesus Christ? You better believe it is. Do you believe that there's lost people all around you? Do you believe that no matter what skin color, no nationality, that they need to be reached for the gospel of Jesus Christ? And listen, that's what we're called to do. But listen, Paul loved Timothy. 2 Timothy 1-2 says to Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and our Christ, our Jesus, our Lord. Paul used the word agape when he talked about his, his brother Timothy. That he was a, a somebody that he was going to mentor up in the faith and he loved him. Agape love, the self-sacrificing love, the kind of love that Jesus had when he went to the cross. Paul prayed for Timothy. Well, listen to me now. If you're going to, let's just talk and take it away from the church now. I think we need to take this from a church and let's take it to a mission now. If you love your community like Paul loved Timothy, you'll reach your community. They over there sleeping. They don't want to hear this sermon. I just talk to the wall. Hey, the wall listens better than they do. Hey, listen to me. Love your community. Thank you. There you go. That's all it takes. Do you know what else? Paul prayed for Timothy. Paul prayed for Timothy. 2 Timothy 1, 3, and 4 says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. As without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers day and night, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. Now listen to me. Love your community. Number two is this. Pray for your community. All right. Don't make me talk to the wall again now. Paul prayed for his community. Paul, Paul prayed for Timothy. We need to pray for our community. Paul believed in Timothy. 2 Timothy 1.5, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded is in you also. Everyone needs somebody to love them. Everybody needs somebody to pray for them. And everybody needs somebody to believe in them. Sometimes I look at crazy people in the world. Do you believe there's crazy people in the world? I, I, I believe that, but I believe it in a good way. 
but I, but I also believe there's crazy people in the world. Hey, Craig, raise your hand real quick. Y'all look back at Craig. Matter of fact, say, hey, Craig. All right, listen, Craig's been driving that bus around for us all around Chicago, and, and Craig is about, his stress level is up here now. Because y'all make cut-ins like, I mean, y'all cut people off where there ain't even no room. Like, m maybe in Kentucky, we'll let a car pass before you cut in. No, y'all halfway, the car's halfway by you and you cut in. That's the crazy drivers out there. I hope y'all ain't one of them. But anyway, there's some crazy people in this world, and sometimes we look at them and say, Man, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with this world? Why is this world acting like this? Why is our country acting like this? There's a reason why they're acting like this. It's because they need Jesus Christ in their lives. And if we understand that, if we believe in them and say, hey, you know what? You're not crazy. There's nothing wrong with you. What you need is something that I've got. And what i got, I'm going to share with you. And what I've got is the greatest gift that was ever given to anybody on this earth. And that was Jesus Christ. Man, if we start doing these things. Now, Paul helped Timothy. 2 Timothy 1.6 says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Paul desired to see Timothy passionate about Christ and his work. And let me tell you something. When, when we help the community, when I say we, listen, it's not only we, meaning that y'all help this community, we need to help our community back home. But when we help, I heard y'all do block parties sometimes. Anybody ever been in a block party with the church? Yep, one. All right, good. All right. You need some help in here, Sean, if only one person. Let's try that again. Anybody ever done a block party in here? Go to church? Oh, there's one again. You got one volunteer. You thank that lady in the yellow shirt. Thank you for uh, being your volunteer. I'm just kidding. Other people's done it. I know you have. And you know what it is, is that you go out into the community and you help the community. And they show them the love of Jesus Christ. And when you start helping them, it helps in a different way. Now, go back real quick, though. When I talk about everybody needs somebody, there's somebody lonely out there. There's somebody that needs a, a listening ear. There's somebody that needs a hug out there. There's somebody definitely that needs Jesus out there. And let me tell you what you need in your life. Everybody, you've heard it before probably. But if you haven't, I want to remind you, or if you have, I want to remind you, everybody needs a Paul. Everybody needs a Paul, everybody needs a Barnabas, and everybody needs a Timothy in their life. And so when you explain this, I want to explain it this way. Everybody needs a mentor. Do you know I need a mentor in my life? I might be the pastor of a church, but I need a mentor in my life, right? I haven't found a, uh, I had pastors in my life that were mentors to me, for sure. And I don't have a pastor, per se, that is a mentor to me, but I have a brother that's a mentor to me. He's not a, he's not a preacher. He's just a brother. My brother's about 11 years older than me, but he's my mentor. I still look up to him, and I follow him, and I, I try to emulate some of the things he does because he's a great man of God. Everybody needs that in their life. Everybody needs a mentor. Everybody needs a Barnabas, an associate, a good friend. You know what? Don't just say a good friend. You know you need a good friend in Christ Jesus. It's okay to be friends with the world. But the people you do everything with, that you eat with every day, and you have fellowship with and all that, other Christians. Because you need to be of like mind. All right? And then everybody needs an apprentice. Once you learn all these things, there's people that are spiritual giants in here that's been in the faith for a long time. 
You could probably look at John and look at him. He's a spiritual giant. He's not only a giant, he's a spiritual giant, right? And all of a sudden, when you look at people that are spiritual, meaning that you've been in the faith a long time, you need to help somebody else along in the faith. But we are not alone. Do y'all believe in the Trinity, by the way, here? Y'all believe in God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit? I hope so. You're not alone if you have the Trinity in your life. God the Father, Joshua 1.9 says this, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. You remember that? Y'all know that scripture? It means that God's going to be with you. You're not going to ever be alone if God's with you. And not only that, you remember the scripture in Matthew 1.23, Behold, the virgin shall be with the child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. So Jesus was here and is with us now. But not only is God the Father and God the Son, but there's also God the Holy Spirit. Wow. John 14, 16 through 18 says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. The Holy Spirit comes and, and fills us, and we can have that comfort from the Holy Spirit. Aren't you glad you're not alone today? Listen to me. There's a legend of a Cherokee Indian, and it's their youth's rite of passage. His father will take him into the forest, and he'll blindfold him, and he leaves him there all alone. You can imagine how horrifying that would be. He's required to sit on a stump the whole night and not remove the blindfold until the rays of the sun and the morning shine, uh, sunshine comes through. He cannot cry out for help for anyone. Once he survives the night, he is a man. Okay? But he cannot tell the other boys of the experience because each boy must become into his own manhood, right, uh, on his own. So the boys naturally terrified. You can imagine. You can imagine all the, the noises that surround him. I don't know how many wild animals y'all got in Chicago. I know y'all got some wild little bunnies out there. I don't think that's very scary, though. You know. But you know what? There are some wild animals in the woods and stuff like that. Wild beasts was all around him. He could hear owls in the night. You know, owls are probably pretty harmless, but they're pretty scary when you're out there in the woods by yourself at night. <laughs> Something about them. Hoo, hoo, what was that? Oh, by the way, I'm scared of ghosts too, okay? I'll be like Scooby-Doo through the wall if a ghost popped out. <laughs> but, but if I had to sit in the woods by myself, that's what this, this little Indian boy had to do. And then all of a sudden, uh, it would be that Finally, after that horrific night of just sitting on that stump all day, he feels the rays of the sun on him. And now he decides that now I could take off this blindfold that I've been wearing. And it was discovered that sitting next to him on a stump, it was his father. That he had been watching him the entire night, protecting him from harm. Wow. Do you know that we are never alone because God the Father is watching us? 
The truth is, is that we need somebody. Ready? Let's listen to these points real quick. I'm going to end it with this. If you went to sleep on me, it's time to wake up. Set your alarm. It's time to go. If you're hungry and McDonald's is calling, hey, you're fixing to get there. But I want you to listen to this last point before we go. We all need somebody. There's somebody in this church right now that needs you. There's somebody in this church that may need you right now. But we know that not only we might need somebody, but remember, our community needs somebody. I've done adopted this community, our community. We need somebody. They need somebody. And, and here's the thing about it. Even though the truth is that we all need somebody, most importantly is we all need Jesus. We all need Jesus. Now, let me tell you something. I told you something at the beginning that if I wasn't a preacher, I should have been a clown. You can probably see now. I like to clown around. I like to joke around. I like to have fun. That's what I do. That's just something about it. When I'm not, when I'm not reading from the Word or talking about God's Word, I'm going to have fun. Lydia is probably so ready to get rid of me with all the joking and laughing. It's like, get, get out of here. Go back to Kentucky. I'm tired of you. <laughs> but here's the thing. You know why I can have fun, people? You know why I can laugh? You know why I can smile? Because I've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Why shouldn't I be the happiest man in the world? I got every reason in the world to be happy. And I need to let people out there know that with Jesus Christ in your heart, you can be happy. And you know what? I got a peace and a joy that's inside of me that nobody can take away. That I can smile, I can joke around, I can laugh, I can put on my clown nose, and I can be silly. Because I know that whatever happens to me, whatever happens to me today, if I don't make it back to Kentucky on this ride home with Craig driving, I don't know. But I can tell you one thing, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But that's some good stuff, ain't it? There might be some of you out there right now that doesn't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. And I guarantee you, I, I haven't talked to him about it, but I guarantee you there's, and I haven't talked to y'all about it. I bet you there's somebody that'll stay around and, and, and talk about Jesus Christ with you and how to receive Jesus Christ. In my, Sean, would you do that? Are you willing to do that if somebody would come? I'm sure you would. Always. It's like 3 o'clock in the morning, you get that urge, just call him up. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you could probably wait in the morning, but <laughs> he would appreciate it. But I'm just telling you. If you don't know Jesus Christ, I'm here in Chicago right now because of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because he, what he's done in my life, I want to share it with other people. And you know what we did? We didn't just come in here and do a floor and do some painting and do some patchwork in here. That's, that, that's, all, that's all below what I'm about to say. We did all this for the glory of the Lord, number one. And number two, we come to do this for Elmwood Park Community Church so that you could go out and reach your community in a better way. We love you. We appreciate you. We come to serve with you. We come to partner with you. We want to come to know you better. We don't want to leave you alone because, listen, my God never leaves me alone, ever. So here's what I want to ask you to do. If you have something that's been burdening your heart, I want you to just bow your heads right now, and I want you to pray. I want you to pray if there's nothing burdening your heart and you don't feel alone, I want you to pray for somebody else. 
just for a minute. Then at this time, we're going to have a praise band come up, and then they're going to they're going to close us out in the song.